0: Money makes you think. Hi, I'm your host, Aditi Anand, a teenager who frankly has a lot of questions about how finance works. Today, we're going to be talking about why gold and paper bills don't mix. Yup, so this week we'll be talking about how the gold standard came to be. On first glance, the title seems absolutely ridiculous. Gold and money, same thing, right? I know that's what you might be thinking, but hear me out. Originally, this episode was going to be about inflation, but jumping from one article to another article, then to another one, a couple of videos and graphs later, I found myself to be intrigued by the gold standard. There were a multitude of questions racing through my head. Why did we abandon a system where we could exchange paper for gold? Just imagine it, from gold to paper in the blink of an eye? What were the effects of the standard on the economy? Gold and money are quick to come into mind when you think about wealth. Sometimes when we've taken off our finance expert caps, they become almost interchangeable. But as modes of currencies, they are polar opposites. Oil and water, apples and oranges. At least if we think about them as standards for currency. The history of money is a long and fascinating tale, but we don't have time to go over it in this single episode. But if you'd like a little bit more of that, you can check out our first episode on Money Makes You Think, The Birth of Cryptocurrency. So, I'm going to start by simplifying the evolution of money. Let's say that money went through just three major stages. Commodity money, commodity-backed money, and fiat money. If at this point you're scratching your head or about to blank out, just don't. You'll know enough about them soon. So, initially we had something called commodity money, when money didn't have a standard, but it still had structure, form, to it. It wasn't just any bartered goods, these were things that were commonly accepted by people like gold, silver coins, tobacco, and get this, even shark teeth and soybeans. This was money whose value came from the commodity of which it was made. And trust me, there was value in those gold coins, silver, and tobacco, even when they weren't used as money, which made them intrinsically valuable. That just means valuable even when they're used on their own. Eventually, the Western world started using commodity-backed money. How did these work? You guessed it. The currency used didn't have any intrinsic value in itself, but was backed by something that was. It could be directly exchanged for something that was valuable. And this was called the gold standard, where the commodity backing the dollar was gold. If you went to a bank and gave your $1 note, you would theoretically receive $1 worth of gold, like real gold. Let me set the stage for you. Things were not doing so great in the UK. They were just recovering from riots towards the Industrial Revolution of 1816 and 17. Hungry people who had lost their jobs and only incomes to automation were marching on streets adamant to get their jobs back. July 1821, George IV was crowned King of Britain and Ireland and the 1821 census that was just released a few months before showed that the UK was headed for a population boom, 1.8 million people more in the country in just a decade. There was clearly need for a new economic system. So in 1821, England also became the first country to officially legalize the use of the gold standard. 50 years later, it went international. Don't get me wrong, silver and biometallic coins had already existed before this gold standard. Even paper money existed by that time. But there were limitations to paper that people noticed. Firstly, it led to the overissue of money which we all know leads to a drop in purchasing power and therefore inflation. This happened a lot when countries were trying to pay off huge debt. Something quick and simple like printing a thick wad of cash often left a sharp rise in prices in the market, which made even the most basic commodities unaffordable to many. Okay, so now we're going ahead to a fact segment of this episode episode um i'm gonna be inviting Amitha over again hi Amitha. hi again so i'm gonna tell you a fact about gold and i want i want you to just just react to it or, or give me your opinions on what you think so apparently you can mold gold with your bare hands did you did you know that yeah i've seen those videos on youtube where um they're making like gold earrings and gold jewelry and i've seen them mold it and like shape it so yeah, I think I'm familiar with that. Oh, cool. And and also, silver is apparently more rare than gold, but gold has more value. It, doesn't that seem like a strange concept? I know. Why is gold more expensive then? That's actually a really good question. So if any of you viewers have the answer to that question, feel free to pop it in the comments at Spotify. Let's get back to the gold standard now having the notes backed by gold prevented this manipulation gold being a somewhat limited resource in terms of quantity and ability to mine offered a strong grip on prices and therefore a more stable economy there were also some countries that didn't have large gold reserves who still benefited from the gold exchange system They could fix exchange rates to currencies of other countries that use the gold standard, keeping exchange rates more stable and international trade accessible. Another reason might have been that using paper notes alongside the gold made transactions less daunting. Imagine having to carry sacks of heavy gold bullions, those are coins, everywhere around with you. Yikes! At the time, the gold standard really seemed like the golden solution for the problems that so many economies were facing because of the Great Depression. However, the gold standard proved, just like most economies that day, that it wasn't all great. One of the important features of this kind of money is that the value of the currency was determined by the demand for it, which fluctuated a lot, ironically. This volatility led to steep curves and dips in inflation within the short period of time that the standard was used. Okay, so for this segment, we actually brought in Amita from last week's episode. She was our guest. Um, Hi, Amitha. how are you doing? Hello, I'm great. So I'm showing you a chart. You can see a chart in front of you. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So what you're looking at is a CPI chart. It shows a consumer price index as a measure of inflation under the gold standard. Could you just describe this graph for me? So what I'm assuming or seeing in the graph is that over the years, the inflation has gone down, like it's decreased. And there was a huge drop um, in the years uh, from 1919 to 1923. And, um, yeah, that's what I see. And the line isn't very smooth. Yeah, it's, it's not particularly smooth. Yeah, it's, a very, it, it's, um, it's very bumpy. Yeah, I think, I think that's a good description of what the graph looks like. If you guys want to check it out yourself, it's on CNBC.com on an article about gold standard. But thanks for joining me again um, for this episode. Um, hopefully, we'll see more of you in, in the next few ones. Yeah, thank you. Let's go back to talking about the gold standard. If the gold became worth a lot in one day, say because people wanted to make gold jewelry, the currency would become worth a lot more as well. Its purchasing power would increase, that is its ability to buy more goods and services for the same unit of money. The next day, it could easily fall. There was also the fact that governments could not control it when they absolutely needed to. They just couldn't adjust interest rates so that fewer people were unemployed. This is exactly what John Maynard Keynes, the father of macroeconomics, said. Side note, macroeconomics is the study of large fundamental economic ideas like inflation, price levels, and unemployment. There was fear that at any moment people could just bang on bank stores demanding their money's worth of gold. Now imagine a whole city doing that, maybe even a whole country. The banks wouldn't have any gold left at all to distribute to anyone and remember gold is limited. This would lead to so many of them shutting down and to counter this banks tried increasing their interest rates to keep investors more likely to leave their money as is and not panic. But this also led to the stock market crash of 1929. Countries were dealing with the aftermath of war, lots of reparations and war debt that had to be repaid. And in order to fund it, they said, hey folks, it's time to double down on your investments because that gold in your account could be worth a lot more tomorrow. Taking it out is only going to cost you. A few years later, when no one expected it to, almost every country would start abandoning the gold standard. From the story, we start to understand how the gold standard really exaggerated the natural business cycle of booms and busts. And so you could say that at the end of the day, the reasons for which the system was adopted was what brought about its downfall. Oh, I almost forgot about fiat money. In 1931, UK was the first country to abandon the gold standard and issue fiat money. This is where we bid farewell to gold for being involved in our currency. And today, money is only valuable because the government says it does. No intrinsic value there, and definitely no gold or metal backing it. But but then again, who knows what fiat money might turn into someday in the future. And that, everybody, brings us to the end of episode 4, why gold and paper bills don't mix. If you haven't already, please check out the other episodes in our series. We talk about everything from cryptocurrency to student debt, life insurance, and so much more. This was Money Makes You Think, a series all about exploring the common questions about the financial world that's written for teenagers by a teenager. That's me. In the next episode, I will guarantee you that we will be talking about inflation. So thanks for listening. And remember, always stay curious. This is Aditi Anand signing off.